0: You are now listening to Pursuit Cast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Pursuit Cast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. And we have the tremendous privilege and honor to sit down with our second time guest the only second time guest so far um, but we're so honored to have him here with us Dr. Rob Reamer hey Dr. Rob how are you I am good Sam it is good to be with you again yeah, thank you for taking time to be with us so um, since our last time you had a new book come out yes um, I just finished it it was awesome called River Dwellers. Yep. So if you could kind of share us, you know, what inspired you to write River Dwellers? Actually, Sam,
1: I, I had done a talk on river dwelling, mm-hmm. Use that John 7 passage where Jesus says the Holy Spirit's like a river that dwells within us. And I did a talk on it actually spontaneously for a doctoral class, but it so took with the class the image grabbed them the talk was really inspired by the spirit it was a spontaneous thing I ended up going home and writing a a talk that I then gave to other churches and everywhere I gave this talk whether it was in New York or in Massachusetts or in Pennsylvania wherever I went the talk really just resonated with people so I ended up deciding I'm going to write a book on this thing so that's how it sort of emerged
0: oh wow awesome Uh, What are your hopes that that you have for your readers as they grab a a copy of River Dwellers?
1: So first thing, one of the things that I think God has always laid on my heart, Sam, is to plant seeds of holy desire in people's Mm. hearts so they long for God. I don't think your intimacy with God can ever rise above your longing for Mm. His presence. So that's probably the first thing, that it would just create that hunger, that thirst, that longing for more of God. And second, I think, you know, hopefully it's a real practical how-to. Like, how do you dwell in the presence, get close to the presence, stay in the river of the presence of God?
0: Awesome. I I guess before we go any further, for some people who might not be used to the term river or river dweller, if you could kind of give a... I guess, a Theology 101 definition on on the river and and what a river dweller is. So Jesus compares
1: in this passage in John chapter 7, the Holy Spirit, to a river that's within us. So dwelling in the river is about living in the presence of God On a regular sustained basis. And too often what ends up happening is, you know, stuff drags us up out of the river. Sometimes it's sin, but sometimes it's distraction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's our busyness. And we end up losing our connection with a close, intimate walk with the Holy Spirit. We're up on the banks, and pretty soon, if we're not paying any attention, we've wandered off into Mm -hmm. the woods. And all of a sudden we went, you know, I knew there was a river around here someplace. But it's almost like we've lost our way. And so this book's really about how do you stay in the river regularly on a full-time,
2: regular basis. Awesome.
0: And I know in the book you kind of go over different spiritual disciplines to kind of heighten your sensitivity so that you know when you're in the river as well as when you're outside. Um, What what are some disciplines that you are practicing currently to kind of heighten your personal sensitivity as you've been on this journey for a long time?
1: Yeah, so... uh, Two interesting ones for me right now, Sam. I've greatly increased my time in silence these mm-hmm. days. i um, spending a lot of time in silence. And when I spend time in silence, I fix my attention on the loving presence of God. And I can often sense His presence with me. And I just sit in stillness in His presence. Sometimes He you know, prompts me with His Holy Spirit. He speaks to me, which I have a whole chapter in there talking about the voice of God and how He speaks. And But... Uh, a lot of times, it's just more like I'm just with him. Mm. It's about being, and not about doing. Mm. We are human beings, not human doings. Yeah. So there's that. The other discipline that I've picked up, Sam, recently is very different uh-huh. as a discipline. But we live in a very, very busy, multitasking society. Mm. So, for example, I mean, this is just me, but you know, I could be riding my in- inside bike. You know, I have a, a recumbent bike that yeah. I ride, right? And I could be riding that bike. Watching a ball game. I'm Uh a baseball fan, so I'm watching a ball game. Sounds down, listening to a book. I'm doing three things (laughs) all at once, right? Multitasking. Mm -hmm. But what I've discovered is the more I multitask, Mm -hmm. the more it drags me out of the river. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what I've started to do is uh, I've started to cut back on the level of multitasking I'm doing in my life right now. And, you know, I spend... A lot more singular tasks, so I'm fully present to whatever it is I'm doing. That has helped me a lot.
0: Mm, that's great. I'm trying to pull up that quote where you quoted, um, I believe it was um, Moody, where, yeah. where he talks about how he's trying to drag the water, yeah. but then he just let the current take yeah. over and, and just let it carry. That's and exactly
1: right. That's a Moody quote, and uh, he says that, you know, he once was being dragged or once was lugging water all the time and now the water you know carries him or something like that
0: but yeah i can get the quote for you too but yeah I, i mean i think one of the things that most people have a hard time with is um i feel like they yeah they they associate being in the river with activity, you know, like yes. I got to do my QTs, I got to pray, I got to read my script, you know, by Bible and all these types of things. And and there's so much performance tied into to river dwelling. Like how do you, would you say, start undoing, unraveling that, that performance mentality, that performance? Yeah. Um, so that really starts aspect, with an yeah. attitude.
1: So, for example, sometimes, you know, Sam, we read our Bible because we feel like we have to read our Bible. And it's almost like we have a religious checklist. Mm. You know, we got a to do list. I got to do the laundry. I do it and then I check it off. Check. Did the laundry. Got to change the oil in the car. Check. Mm. We do the same thing with our time with God. I got to read my Bible. Check. I got to do some worship. Check. And so, for me, the first thing I do is make sure my mindset when I go to spend time with God is not, I need to do this. Check. It's not a checklist. Mm-hmm. I make sure it is, I am entering into his presence. Mm-hmm. So even when you read the Bible, the purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible. Yeah. The purpose of reading the Bible is to encounter the living God. Yes. So if you read the Bible with, I have to read the Bible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going to read the Bible. Yeah. But you won't necessarily encounter God. Mm. But if you read the Bible with the mindset, I am coming to meet the living God, Then that 2 Timothy 3.16 verse where it talks about, you know, all Scripture is God, breathe. When I'm sitting down with the mindset that I'm going to encounter the living God, I am waiting for the breath of God to blow across the Scripture. Mm -hmm. And when the stirring of the Holy Spirit occurs on a phrase or a word or an image, I wait there to meet with Him. Mm -hmm. It changes the way you approach your spiritual disciplines. Yeah. It's a, it's
2: an
0: attitude. Mm. Well, that's good. I think the whole idea of approach, you know what I mean, I think is what will change people's attitude. You know, they're not trying to, like you said, do a checklist, but all about the approach, all about the attitude of what you really want to get out of Yeah. whatever you're trying to do. Um, another thing that you talk um, through your book is how reading books help you engage and, and, and motivate, cultivate your hunger. Um, what, what are some books that you personally are reading these days yeah. as well? Um,
1: I've read recently John Ortberg's new book, Soul Keeping. I, mm. I don't know. Have you read that one? No, I, I've seen it on it's, Amazon, though. But. <laughs> it's a good read. It's a solid read. John John's one of the authors that's out there nowadays that has some depth to his soul. Mm. So, uh, terrific read. I also just recently... Picked up again the Cross of Christ by John Stott, which Mm. is an old book. You know, it's been around for a long time. I read it in seminary 25 years ago or whatever. But I just picked it up again. As a matter of fact, I just picked up two or three of Stott's books. Mm. Um, He wrote another one on Christian leadership that was really good, and so I just read that one. And now I'm reading Stott. So just uh, been reading some people that either stir my longing, stir my heart's affections. Um, I read a lot of classics, you know, Sam. I read Andrew Murray. I read A.B. Simpson, founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, a lot of his old stuff. Um, I read people that either stir my heart towards God, motivate me to connect with God, or there are people that have gone further with things of God than I have gone, or there are sometimes people that have um, just... uh, they're touching on topics that my heart longs to connect with, you know, mm. prayer in deep ways and so forth. Um, I've read some Dave Benner stuff again recently. Mm. Yes. Uh, Dave stuff. I like, um, I've actually just picked up, but haven't started reading yet. A book by Ashbrook, Thomas Ashbrook, okay. who wrote mansions of the heart. Uh, he's got one out there on the presence of Christ. And I'm going to
0: pick that up and read that here. In short. Awesome. awesome. Um, yeah I mean at this point if we could kind of dive deeper into the book that you that you just recently wrote um, there's parts of the book where you talk about you know the willingness to pay the price that you you only get I mean to as close to God and experience the intimacy according to the price you're willing to pay um, and I guess you know I meet people all the time where oh I want to be closer to God like like you know every Christian says that mm-hmm. but yet there are those few who are willing to actually pay the price and actually do pay the price um, so my question is how do you develop that willingness to pay the price yeah. you know everyone talks about it everyone wants to but yet not everyone is willing so
1: yeah so my, the quote in the book is i think probably goes like this you can have as much of God as you want and no more than you're willing to pay the price mm, that's for okay and you know for me you know sam i guess desire is something everybody has to figure out how to trigger Mm. within themselves so i can talk about this from a personal perspective what is it that triggers longing i said to you earlier you never rise above your level of longing for god Mm -hmm. longing for intimacy i think one of the most important things in your spiritual journey is to cultivate desire Mm. longing Psalm 63, David cultivates longing in his heart, you know, and there's other places in scripture where you see this in David. He's cultivating his longing for God. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, I'm trying to cultivate longing. So I engage in spiritual activities that cultivate longing. Silence for me cultivates longing. I can feel this longing heart for God. Worship can cultivate longing for me if it touches my heart's affections. Yeah. If I can sing a song, and think about something else yeah and it's no longer touching my heart, but I'm just using my mind to sing mm. lyrics.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that in the book. Yeah. that
1: is not cut it for me. It's no longer affecting my heart's affections. When it touches my heart, there's something in there that moves me towards longing and that makes me willing to pay the price. Mm. I mean think about anything in your life you've ever paid the price for. Whether it was an athletic thing or whether it was an academic thing or whether it was a job situation, anything you've ever paid the price for, underneath it was a desire. You were willing to pay a price because of a desire. So if you cultivate the desires, Mm -hmm. you'll be willing to pay the price, whatever it takes. So for me, part of cultivating desires, engaging in the right disciplines that help me Mm -hmm. generate desire, hanging with the right people. Mm -hmm. When I'm with people who are river dwellers. Yeah. They create thirst within me for more of God. Part of it is reading the right books. Mm -hmm. You read books about people who have done great exploits for God and gone deep into the river with God, and my heart longs for God. So all of these things, I am intentionally engaging in activities that constantly motivate desire within me. Mm. And I eliminate things that decrease my desire. Yeah. So, like, TV never helps me, Sam. Mm-hmm. So I don't watch TV at all. Yeah. But I read a ton. Mm-hmm. And the reading I do often triggers desire. Mm. That's good.
0: Um, how, how, how do you personally, um, I guess, persist and persevere in your pursuit of God? Um, I know that, you know, working with a lot of young people, uh, young adults, high school students, college students, they... You know, have an encounter with God. There's, it, it ignites a, a longing within them, and, and they're on pursuit. But yet, you know, it starts to die off, or it starts to cool down, and, and all these types of things. But one thing that I've seen in your life personally is that just that persistent and and that pursuit to just keep fighting and persevering in your pursuit of God. Um, what, what would you share for these young people who have it, but yet? You know, to to keep the ball rolling, I guess, in their pursuit.
1: Stephen Covey talks about in his uh, book Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. talks about begin with the end in mind. You ever Mm. heard that phrase from his book? And uh, what he's saying is, create a mental picture for yourself of what you want to become. Mm. And you know, John Maxwell adds this phrase. He says. The secret to your long-term success is found in your daily routine, Mm. okay? So if you have this image of what you want to be be at the end of your life or what you want to become when you're 20 years down the road, what does it take today that's going to get you there? So for me, I have this end picture in my mind. I want my last day on the planet to be my most passionate for God Mm. and most compassionate for people, I want my last day on the planet to be my richest and fullest in intimacy with God. I want to live out John 15. Jesus said, if you remain or abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's just that abiding is another word for dwelling in the river. It's another image for this continuous connection with God. And I have this deep, deep sense in my inner being that if I don't stay connected, I won't bear the fruit that I could have borne for his honor. Mm. And so, to me, that just motivates me to stay connected and go deeper, ever deeper. Part of it, for me, was certainly motivated by fruit-bearing. Yeah. But along the way, I became more and more motivated by intimacy. Mm. You know, in the beginning, I knew if I didn't stay connected, I wouldn't bear fruit. But... Now I just long for his presence. Mm. Now I still long for fruit, yeah. but there's even a deeper longing just mm. to be yeah. in his presence.
0: No, that's good. I, I, I mean, that that's kind of where the fruit is the byproduct, you know, rather than the goal. It's the yeah. byproduct of intimacy. It's the byproduct of longing for God, being connected. And hey, when you're connected to the vine, I mean, fruit is just a natural process. It's part of being connected and so it's similar to moses right Mm -hmm. you know
1: moses has this relationship with god where he connects with god and the bible says you know he knew him as one man knows his friend he knew him face to face but over time he gets into this relationship with god where later on there's a phrase used in numbers where it says he knew him literal hebrew phrases mouth to mouth Mm -hmm. so he has this ever developing intimacy with god well This is why Moses has such authority. Of course, the intimacy bore fruit and authority. Mm -hmm. He stands up on a mountainside one day, raises his hands, and it changes the outcomes on earth. In that passage, he writes this phrase, a hand upon the throne. That's a phrase he uses to describe what took place. Mm -hmm. He touches the throne because of his intimacy with the Father. It changes the battle outcomes Mm -hmm. on earth. And part of my longing is for the intimacy with God that would be able to lay a hand upon the throne and change the outcomes of earth. Mm. But you know, that stuff doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, That is a lifetime pursuit of intimacy mm.
0: that develops over time. Yeah, that's good. I mean, just thinking about people like Moses who've gone through the desert literally 40 years and then another 40 years. And, and I know in the book, the recent book, you share your own experience of the dark night and the soul Um, and, and, and I guess while I was reading, reading that portion, the question I had is, you know, how do you know when you're distant from the river versus a dark night of the soul where God is with you and he's leading you? Yeah. That's part of the river. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question, Sam. One of the, one of the things I know is this. When I have gotten myself out of the river, there's usually sin Mm -hmm. or distraction or, Um, Sometimes there's grief, sadness, stuff like that, that I haven't processed. So there's a spiritual or soul-related issue that has gotten me out of the river. And if I attend to it, if I Mm -hmm. confess my sin, if I deal with my grief, if I get rid of my distraction and get refocused on Jesus, I'll get right back in the river. Mm -hmm. But when you hit a dark night of the soul... You attend to all those things, and there is no presence. Mm. There's still this absence of the experiential knowledge of his presence. Mm -hmm. And the reality is he has dulled your senses to his presence. Mm -hmm. Now, John of the Cross makes a really hopeful concept about the dark night of the soul. He says that the Lord is doing purgation during this time. He is purging us, cleansing us. He's taking us deeper. We can't feel that. Yeah. But there is something about his absence that creates a deeper purging in our mm. souls. Well, you know, there's a line in Hebrews chapter 12 that says without holiness no one will see the Lord. Well, in one sense that's true about eternity, right? You're not going to get to heaven unless you have the imputed holiness of Jesus. He has yeah. given you his righteousness as you've put your faith in him. Now you get to go to heaven. But there's a sense in which he's talking about here and now intimacy with God. Your intimacy with the Father will never rise above your level of purity. Mm. And there is there is a sense in which when he takes you through the dark night of the soul, there's a purging that occurs that then enables you to go deeper mm. into
2: his
0: presence. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I really appreciated you, you know, taking the time to write and share from your experience. I, I remember last time we did the podcast you were sharing with me personally, like you were coming out of that. You're know, you still um, journeying through that and to see it now make its way into the new book and, and you talking about it here. I mean, it's awesome to see, you know. I, I'm just encouraged and inspired to see a man walking at it out, living it out, and just following Christ. And and you know, we could rally out, rally around the different generals, you know, of the faith to say, you know, there's a there's an end in sight. You know, this is how to do it. So,
1: well, and you know, the reality is, uh, you know, the dark night is not fun. Mm-hmm. And when you hit it, a lot of people, and this is what I write in the book too, Sam. A lot of people give up. Mm-hmm. And I kept doing the right things, even though it didn't feel very productive. But that's because I do have a fundamental philosophy that if you do the right things, eventually you get the yeah. right results. I think that's a proverbial statement. I think, generally speaking, that's the way life works. Yeah. And I wanted to keep being with God. It's a trust issue. Mm. Even when he's apparently absent, can you still trust him? Yeah. No matter how dark life gets, circumstantially, or even spiritually, can you trust him? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the number one question the father asks of his children. Yeah. Will you
0: trust me? Mm-hmm. And and that too goes back to what it's all about—intimacy. That's exactly. Right. You know, like trust is all about intimacy, and 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 I think that's one of the things that you know I I'm learning myself. It's. You know, God does satisfy us. He does meet us. He does meet our needs, and He gives, you know, so much more than we could ever think or imagine. But the goal isn't to satisfy us here; it's to trust Him. Because yeah. one day, you know, you write in your book where heaven will solve all of Earth's problems. You know, it's good line. Yeah, it's 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 tweetable. So, you know, heaven will 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 fulfill all of God's promises, and 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 I think that's what I'm starting to realize more myself. It's <clears throat> yeah, Jesus is greater than anything else. He'll yeah. satisfy you. But even if he doesn't, the point is trust. You yeah. know, the point is trust. And, and 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 I was really blown away by that, where you shared about your ish, the struggles with your church, where, you know, um, the whole thing where you could do all the right things and obey God, but to think that it will always lead to success is not biblical at all. You know.
1: I mean, I, it is ironic yeah. that we follow the God of the cross, mm-hmm. and we expect life to be a formula yeah. and God always to come up on the good side of the equation and always bless us and always make life easy and comfortable mm-hmm. and and pain free and I just think this this is not a philosophy that works with the God of the cross yeah that's good he, he's a God who redeems suffering mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean there is no suffering yeah. there's plenty of suffering we live in a fallen world mm-hmm. good news is when we get to heaven Yeah, there will be no suffering
2: yeah,
0: amen um, so, I mean, that's, you could, for all those of you who are listening, I mean, you could find these topics and more um, in Dr. Rob Reamer's new book, River Dwellers. Um, how can people get more information about your books and where can they go and grab a copy themselves?
1: So I have a website, uh, Dr. Rob Reamer, uh, dot com. You can go out there. And um, if you just Google my name, that website will come up. And you can go out to South Shore Community Church's website and get it Mm -hmm. there. And it's on Amazon and Kindle and all those kinds of things as well. And I'm hoping this summer, Sam, to actually put them out on some sort of an audio book too. Oh, awesome.
0: Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, We'll have all the links up on our website as well. And uh, thank you, Dr. Arimer, for your time and just hanging out with us once again and just sharing your heart and, and just... Making all of us thirsty for more of God. So thank you so much. Thanks, Sam. Always good to be with you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.